afternoon with Dennis Fithian on Detroit Sports, ready to get things underway. Podcast number 42. It is an all-star Saturday. That's where I bring in people I've met over the years in radio. And I do have an all-star coming up in about 20 minutes uh, from now. I also have a special guest, and he is on the line, and he's been in the media for about as long as I have, and it's Rico Beard, the host of the Spartan Beat weekdays from 12 to 1. And on TV up in Lansing, he's oftentimes part of the Press Box All-Star. Very fitting, then, to have him on on this uh, Saturday. Rico, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm a little disappointed. I, I thought I was the All-Star, and then I'm like, wah, wah, not not you. Well, you are, you are an all-star on TV. I, I didn't know that was called the Press Box All-Stars. I knew it was called the Press Box, but I didn't know about the All-Star part. Yeah, no, Press Pass All-Stars, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, okay, yeah. Press, press Pass All-Stars. There you go. You know, yeah, I, I don't yeah. I don't get that that Lansing TV on my, my cable package here, so. Uh, I, you I, can I, watch it online. Oh, can you? If you okay. go to Fox, yeah. Right. Yeah, you go to Fox 47, you can watch it online. I like it. How about a couple of true falses to, to start you out? Uh, true or false, you are a... A sweet mate with uh, with Doug Karsh when you were in college. That would be true, Mister Fifian. Our freshman year, uh, Doug and I lived together for the first year in uh, Hubbard Hall. I mean, uh, Acres Hall at MSU. So a lot of people don't realize that Doug Karsh actually went to Michigan State. You would never know the way he talks, but he actually <laughs> has an MSU degree. Doug is a Spartan. Whether he wants to admit it or not, he's a spark. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I've, I've always heard that one. And how about this one? Are you related to Rod Beard, who covers uh, the Pistons for the news? Uh, yes, Rod Beard, nine brothers. Yes, we are. Look at that. See, now, uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that 100%. Somebody told me that, and I was like, I don't know about that. But so there it is. True. Well, he does a good job True. covering the Pistons. Well, you know what? It's It's – it's been quite the couple of weeks here for for Spartan Nation and specifically Spartan basketball. They they go out and land one of the greatest prospects, uh, best hoops prospects ever, in in Amani Bates, and then Izzo pulls in a five star commitment this week in in Max Christie here. Let let me think, or let me hear what you think of this uh, of this commitment of Bates. Uh, MSU said they were surprised. Were you surprised at the timing? And then. Ultimately, the the selection by Amani Bates. Uh, no, I always knew that if Amani Bates goes to college, he was going to MSU. Everybody assumed because in the year twenty twenty two, the NBA is going to allow you to go straight to the pros. So they just figured Bates is never going to go to college. Why recruit him? It was kind of like LeBron James. Coaches said, "I'm not recruiting this guy anymore. He's never going to step foot in a college campus." It's a waste of time and effort when you can go after somebody you can actually get. But MSU figured, we've been recruiting this kid since seventh grade. We've invested all this time. What do we have to lose? And here's the thing. A lot of people now are saying, well, he's never going to go to Michigan State. Dennis, I beg to differ. And here's why. There's probably a 50-50 chance he, he goes straight to the pros. But a money base could be the, the, I guess, the, the tester for the new name, image, and likeness rule in college or in college sports. Amani Bates could go to Michigan State. Then it's possible that during a, a timeout break, we could see a commercial with Amani Bates in it. We could see electronic billboards inside the Breslin Center 
with photos and Amani Bates hawking, you know, various products. Bates, if he goes to MSU, could make legitimately four, five million dollars off of different types of deals because he's considered the number one player in high school overall, not just in his class, but overall. He's going to have as much hype as Zion Williamson did at Duke. And if that's the case, if he has the hype, he can maximize that. Plus, he would still get, he likes, I think he wants to be a kid for a year. And it's funny because they also got Max Christie, the other five-star. And that was something that he kind of said. He wants to experience college for a year. He knows that the NBA is a business, and anybody in that business all said, you you better be ready for this. If you want to have some fun, go to college and then come to the NBA. Because once you come to the NBA, the fun time's over. As far as Bates goes, I mean, Bates could make – I mean, people are like, well, he could go to the G League. He could go play at MSU and make the same amount of money he could in the G League. So, yeah, uh, to answer your question – was I surprised? No, I wasn't. And I honestly think that there's probably a 50-50 chance he actually suits up for Tom Izzo. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, that that likeness, what that's worth, I didn't know. I wasn't thinking 4 or $5 million, but I did think, you know, if you put a number three jersey with Bates on the back, I can see those flying off the shelves. I can see commercials with him in them, uh, there, no doubt. And- well, here's the thing, Dennis. Think about this. And this could be the first time. I mean, this could really get challenged. He's going to be that next superstar. So imagine if there is a shoe bidding war, and let's say Adidas or Under Armour win. He, you know, Michigan State's a Nike school, but he could be on the court wearing Adidas or Under Armour or whatever shoe because he struck up a deal with them because they wanted to get in early. He he could get a deal with Powerade or Gatorade or or Body Armor. He could get a deal with all of these different people. It's not just selling my jersey. This dude could maximize everything and make it to the million. Yeah, if he can get a shoe deal, then that four to five million uh, that that can be multiplied by four or five. Yeah. You know, when and when you're talking about that hundred million dollar shoe deals, and you know, LeBron probably would have been uh, good for ten twenty five million for a shoe deal. And you know, I wonder here, and you know, I agree with you when it comes down with him possibly playing in college. You know, the I've been looking at the NBA for the Pistons for a couple of years, you know, eyeball in 2022 because it would be a double draft where guys could go right from high school to the pros. But you know, with the pandemic, who knows? It wasn't a, a hard date. It was talked about in NBA circles. But now with the pandemic, you could easily see that being pushed back to, to 2023. And then there's a chance that, that Bates could reclassify, right, and go to 2021. And you'd say, well, why would he want to do that? Well, he would want to do that because he could start getting paid. Yeah, he could start getting paid. Uh, he, he can go play at MSU for a year. He could play with Max Christie. He could play with Pierre Brooks Jr. and whoever else they add to that class. And they could come in there and say, hey, Tom, we want to help you win your next national title. And then peace, two fingers, I'm off to the NBA. But while he's there, he can make a lot of money. And the funny thing is, while he's there, the other guys that come in with him could also get some of his cast-offs and, and things, and, and maybe they become a package deal with some stuff. But I do think that we're going to look and see. Amani Bates is going to be the first person that really pushes the boundaries of this rule, name, image, and likeness. It's kind of the wild, wild west, and it's, there's no cap to this thing. Well, it's always been the wild, wild west in, in a certain way, but I think, you know, we – when you look at Tom Izzo and his 
20-year career as a head coach, he's played by a different set of rules than you know the Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, Arizona. It looks like Duke, Arizona, Louisville. And now with the ability to be able to pay these guys uh, some money to come in, this, uh, you know, finding some way to get somebody paid down the line, which a lot of these, you know, top five, a lot of these elite programs have been able to do over the years. I mean, it doesn't look like Tom Izzo's uh, done that. I mean, we know Louisville. We know Arizona. It looks like we know Duke, Kansas. I mean, I, I know you don't say those uh, those schools lightly, but so this really could be a boon here for, for Izzo, who's always butted heads with the big dogs when, when it's come down to yeah. it. You know, he has not been able to uh, connect with some of the, you know, prime time, you know, number one overall guys because, he, you know, they, he just couldn't compete. Well, no, and that, I think he did that because he, man, he went all the way back to middle school with Bates and, and built that relationship up from seventh grade and had to cross his fingers and hope that the kid would keep growing and he would keep getting better and better or else it would have been a waste of time. But yeah, you're, you're right now that, and I, and I said, it's the, the team that can really, and, and this is why Bates would be beneficial for MSU because after, if, if this works out and Bates makes millions of dollars, now they can walk into kids' homes and say, hey, look what we did for Armani Bates. We can do this for you too. It would be beneficial for colleges and universities to go and hire not just uh, agents, but advertisers and marketers to learn how to best, you know, uh, represent the players that they have. Because that may be a game breaker. That may be a difference. If, if, if Dennis Fithian has to choose between going to College A and College B, well, it looks like he's going to go to College A, but College B presents a package where they can maximize dollars if you go there. Maybe you're not so quick to go to College A, and College B becomes a viable option. No doubt. What do you think when uh, I have heard about this in, in free agency and the pros where, like at 12.01, somebody's waiting out in the driveway or on the street, you know, and they offer him a deal. I was surprised uh, the day after, and I think his dad is the one that told the story, that Izzo called him at, at 12.01 when, whenever it became available where you could call 2022 prospects, you know, Izzo yeah. was there on the phone at, at 12.01. I thought there was a couple of things interesting about that. One is that, you know, the dad said that nobody else called till later on that afternoon. That was interesting. The other thing is Izzo must have really known this family because – you know, you got to know if somebody's getting up early. You got to know if calling at twelve oh one is okay. And for Izzo, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd never heard of another coach doing that. I know midnight madness and things. Uh, you know, getting in right when the right when the clock gives you that eligibility to do things. But I'd never heard of a coach in, in college getting in. You know, right at the the stroke of midnight. What about that? What What have you heard? What What did you think about that story? Well, I mean, I think it's just posturing, and and if you're Tom Izzo, chances are they have his name saved in the phone. So when Tom Izzo calls you, you're going to wake up anyway. The man doesn't sleep. He doesn't. Tom is up all night. I tease him. Like, when are you going to sleep? And it's that, you know what, I'll sleep when I'm dead type of mentality. <laughs> so when, when Izzo calls, yeah, you're going to look and say, oh, my goodness, it's, it's Tom Izzo. And they were probably, because it was a big moment, they were probably expecting the Bates family were expecting a lot more calls to come in. And Izzo knew, this is the guy I've invested a lot of time. We're going to be beneficial for each other. This relationship is going to be so symbiotic. 
let me get in right now. Let me be the first guy now because it's, it is an ego thing, Dennis. And, and the pros. If you look out there and, and there's Coach A, you know, there's the coach of the Carolina Panthers sitting in your driveway looking at his watch waiting for 12 o'clock. You know, that's kind of an ego thing to say, yeah, you know, I had the Carolina Panthers coach waiting in my, waiting in my driveway. It is. Or if you look and see a bunch of coaches' cars parked outside your house, man, that, that, that feels good. So I'm not shocked that Tom did this. I'm, I am shocked that other schools didn't because it, it's really you had nothing to lose. But by calling him later in the day, especially, man, when you're dealing with high school kids, it's insulting. You're not showing them the, the love. And if you're not showing them the love, well, then, and that was one of the things that he said, Izzo, and, and, he, and he said, oh, gee, but, the, you know, that's Mike Garland. He was like, those guys have been showing me love since I've been in middle school. And that's considered part of the love. Yeah, surprising that Kansas or Duke or, you know, they didn't think about picking up the phone. What about this uh, Max Christie kid? What do you know about him? Five-star, any chance that he uh, bolts to Europe or that he wants to go to the G League or anything else? What do you know about him? Well, um, he's a 6'6 kid, five-star player. This actually was a bigger pickup, in my opinion, for Izzo personally than Bates because Izzo hasn't had much luck in the Chicago area. He missed out on Jabari Parker, Cliff Alexander. He missed out on a lot of people that he was always number two in the Chicago area. He went in there. He got this guy. And when I asked Chris, he said that I'm not looking at going to the G League. I'm not looking at going overseas. Once again, I want to experience the college life. I want to experience living on a campus and being a college player and kind of just an extension of being a kid, not quite ready the business part to kick in, but I do want to have fun and play at the highest level. Uh, six six kid, man, I mean, you know, a wing player can kind of do it all type of thing. Um, probably, I'm trying to think, probably more in the Gary Harris type of mold at MSU, except for he's a little taller. But yeah, can get to the rim, can dunk. I don't know if it's like Miles Bridges type of dunk. But he can get to the rim and drive. But, yeah, I would think probably more of a Gary Harris type of comparison. Well, you take that. What about comps for uh, Bates? You know, I've just seen highlights. I was just looking at some last night. He, he's thin, but, man, he, he's got a crossover. I know he's, you know, sending high schoolers like, you know, five feet, like they're, you know, diving off a cliff or anything. But, you know, step back. He's got all that. It looked a little bit like, um, you know, a little bit taller Penny Hardaway to me for – you know, people back in the day, but you know that's what he. Ooh. That was me watching now, just a couple I, minutes. I, I I don't know Penny Hardaway is an apt comparison because Penny Hardaway was most people won't know who he, until he got injured. But Penny Hardaway was on the verge of being one of the better point guards ever in the NBA because he had that Magic Johnson. He was tall, but man, he had handle. I would say more. I think Bates may end up becoming his own category. But if you had to compare him with someone, I would say it's probably closer to a Kevin Durant. Durant was kind of skinny at his age. I mean, I don't know if people remember Kevin Durant at Texas, but he was he was skinny too. He filled out. And kind of like Bates, he had that growth spurt, but he still had the point guard skills. You know, you, you, he can hold his own. You probably don't want Amani Bates leading your team as a point guard, but he could take you off the dribble kind of like Kevin Durant. He can shoot the three. 
I don't like Kevin Durant. He can post up low. He can dunk over you. He can do a lot of things. So I would say probably Durant would be the closest person that I would think. But I think in the end, he may become his own category. Yeah, I thought that too with Durant. You know, Durant, and, and they do have a similar type build. I didn't see Durant in high school, but I saw him as a freshman at Texas, and they do have that kind of build. And, you know, they, they look like they have no problem pulling up on somebody from outside. But, you know, Durant, it was you know, like, you know, they say the Greek freak, his his reach is, I think, 7'5", seven, 7'6". Seven, I think Durant's got a 7'7 seven, seven reach. I, I don't know, maybe Bates has got, he probably does have some 7'7 seven, seven type, you know, type reach, but... You know, that's the crazy thing about Durant. You know, every time I see that, he's he's got a he's got a, uh, a an inch more reach than than uh, the Greek Freak, which is a, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, shy. let's just hope that he doesn't. Let's hope he doesn't take after Kevin Durant and get a bunch of burner accounts on Twitter just so he can go after fans. So <laughs> well, it's still it's so funny to me that Kevin Durant had burner accounts. Hey, you know what? I got a burner account, but it's it's popular, or it's not. I don't know about popular. It's public now. You know, it's uh, G Afternoon Twenty One. So I let it out of the bag. So I guess it's not a burner account. What about? I got some quick hitters for you, Rico. What about Langford? Josh Langford is all the foot issues. Is is there a a chance for a, a fifth or a, a sixth or a, what? I don't know. Is this a seventh year? Maybe he's coming back. Uh, yeah, he's he's coming back. Yeah, uh, he just he just needs the final doctor's approval. But he's come out. And it was it was even on senior night because they didn't know they honored him. The Breslin Center crowd, man, it sounds so long ago, but it was at March 9th, March 10th. And we're chanting. It was Cassius Winston night. But Josh Langford comes out. The crowd is standing. One more year. One more year. Including his father, Tellus Langford, is in his ear saying and clapping with the crowd. One more year. One more year. He realizes he's got to prove he can stay healthy to the NBA. But a lot of people, he was the kind of the forgotten person in that class. Everybody knew Josh, I mean, everybody knew Miles Bridges. Cassius Winston came on the late. Nick Ward did his thing. But Langford, before he went down, was the leading scorer on the team, not Cassius. The year Cassius won Big Ten Player of the Year. Langford was on, Langford, if you extrapolated his numbers, would have won that. He was averaging 17 points a game. But then he got hurt and couldn't play the rest of that year, and Cash picked up the slack and won the award. Langford knows he's got to get better. Yes. The yeah. thing is, because of the pandemic, he couldn't get back to New York for the doctor to give the final okay. Mm. But he's with the team. He's practicing with the team. And unless something else happens, he's going to be suiting up in the uh, fall for the Spartans. Yeah, he's a flat-out scorer, shooter, so that's great news there for Izzo. Jaden Akins, I saw Izzo's in on him, and saw his coach saying, "Sounds like you know he's a, sounds like he's a sure thing for for MSU." But I know Michigan's there at least knocking on the door. I mean, have you already considered that, like as a, like a, in the bag there for MSU, the the kid out of Farmington? Um, it it, it was it was it looked like it was it's probably going to be Michigan State, but. I'm thinking you're probably going to end up with um, you're probably going to end up with him going to Michigan State. I know Michigan's going to try to make a push for him, but he's now going to be playing with Amani Bates at Ypsilanti Prep, which I'm oh. sure can't hurt the Spartans. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to. 
kiss him goodbye as far as the Mason Blue that I knew when I read the story. I just, you know, Googled him and I saw this. Izzo's been in on him. Izzo this, Izzo that. I'm like, okay, yeah, he's not He's not going. Hey, uh, Rico, before I let you go, Mel Tucker, no spring, no non-conference, uh, no quarterback with really any experience here. Which one of those guys, if you had to pick today, Rocky Lombardi, Theo Day, or the redshirt freshman Peyton Thorne, who would you select? Uh, D, I have no clue. <laughs> I don't think anybody has any clue to this, man. So, okay. sorry. I got nothing. <laughs> that you, hey, you know what? Uh, I appreciate the honesty. Uh, I always appreciate <laughs> being able to talk with you. Maybe we could do it again if we get actual uh, where it looks like they're really going to play. We don't know. There was uh, some optimism, but that's been bruised over the last couple weeks. Who knows? Over the next uh, you know month, maybe we'll at least feel like uh, it looks like they're going to play. We'll be able to talk again, maybe. Hi, man. Let's, uh, let's, let's hope for Yeah, it's always great uh, speaking with you. Hope to see you one of these days, and uh, all the best to you. Thanks for your time. Hi, man. See you, Dennis. See ya. There he is, Rico right. Beard. Great guy. You can tell that. That's for sure. Uh, you can. Flat out. Well, I mentioned, and, you know, he is on the, what do they call it? Oh, I wrote it down. Not the press box. They call it the press beat. Let me get back up here and look and see if I actually did write it down when it comes to the press box. Press. And now I forgot. Well, let's get to our next guess as we go. Uh, we'll go Back out to Lansing. I don't know if Rico's actually in Lansing, but Marcus. Mark and Lansing. Calling him up right now. What? Hey, Mark Dot, what's going on? Nothing. Nothing's going on today? Just hanging out? Uh... Hey, there's always something going on, but nothing, nothing, nothing that uh, I would consider to be noteworthy. No, just hanging out. Yeah, well, it's good to have you, you know, back on here. I'm gonna call you a multiple time All Star. How about that? That's fine. <laughs> I, 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 I'll let you do that. I wouldn't let everybody do that. Hey, you know, I had two people yesterday, and I would say one of us involved at the highest level of college football. And uh, I had somebody else, you know, just telling me that, you know, they're talking to, you know, some of the kids in, in college and everything else. And, you know, the, the guy that was uh, involved in college football about whether they're going to play or not, you know, nobody really knows. But, you know, his point was yeah, is yeah. that he thinks it's coming down to the lawyers. He thinks it's coming down to the lawyers uh, or whether they're going to uh, play or not. Uh, they're, they're not going to play. They're not good. They know. They just don't want to own it yet. They still want to. They still want to. They still want to hold out that 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 last glimmer of hope, hoping that something miraculously will occur um, between now and their their established drop dead date, which they know. Uh, they've already settled in on that. Doesn't matter who wants to step up first and put their name to it. It's the same kind of it's the same kind of mindset we've been in since this virus first took hold. Waiting, 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 hoping, hoping, hoping. It wouldn't be as serious as it is. It wouldn't be as contagious as it is. It wouldn't be as arbitrary as it is. And and now they come to the point where, because of the timing of everything, they got to accept the reality of the virus. 
And the reality of the virus is when it comes to logistically trying to plan this thing out, how are you going to do it when it comes to practice? How are you going to do it when it comes to somebody being being exposed? Well, how are you going to deal with it when somebody when it comes to somebody being testing positive? And just imagine all the implications that are associated with that. Are you going to go ahead and, and do the right thing when somebody tests positive and then quarantine everybody in their circle? And just think about that for a minute when you've been practicing, Dennis. Dennis. What that would what that would imply? That might be the whole team that you would have to quarant you would have to quarantine from one another. What is it? The fourteen days right now is what they're the number they're putting on it. Unless they're going to come off that, uh, you you got kids. You got other you got other conferences that have gone on and said, "Look, it's it's not worth it. It's we're we're about first of all academics." Athletics are great. Academics, though, are supposedly our priority. We're not. I believe that we're not doing it. Other conferences says we're not. We're not doing it. It's just a matter of somebody just stepping up and saying, "Okay, look, we we we've been forced into this, and and we've been forced into this because we've exhausted all our options, all the hypotheticals, and there is no." There is no plan that we can put in place that we feel comfortable with. So logistically, and then think about okay, if we just if if we decide, hold on, just take this. Yeah. Hey y'all, I'm on. Hey, I'm on the phone. Yeah, I'll just respond, and you go right back to your world while you're taking care of this. I I I think that I, I agree with what you're saying here. I think what they did do by taking off these non-conference games, it bought them three or four weeks. I think they they have a couple of things. It's it would be you know we want to call it a miracle. I'll call it a you know a slight miracle that they would play football in the fall. But if they go to where the the drop dead date was early August, that's earlier this week. Now they've bought themselves three or four weeks. They also have where baseball, hockey, and the NBA. I know they're all pros and everything, but they're all going in about three weeks. They're going to get this going. So. If somehow those three leagues, and I don't have much confidence that all three of those leagues are going to play or even able to get started, but if they see all three of those leagues going and then the pros are going to training camp and their their drop-dead date goes from, uh, you know, early August to, you know, late August, you know, and there's some, some um, uh, 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 let's say, momentum in a positive way in the country, so – then, you know, we're sitting here and talking about maybe in the fall. What do you think? Nothing. <laughs> uh, that, 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 a whole different discussion when it comes to the, to the pros. They can, they can talk money, and they can get away with talking money all day long. Uh, they, they, maybe somebody will come out in college and start talking about money, money first, player, player health and safety, staff health, health and safety, Student population, health and safety, uh, secondary to all that. See, that's the problem right now. That's 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 not a position that somebody necessarily wants to take publicly. They don't want to talk about money being the bring being the driving force behind whatever whatever action is taken when it comes to college athletics. They don't want to do that. Uh, and 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 one of the reasons why. 
they're struggling right now with with how we're going to sell this thing, how we're going to justify this thing. Forget about the logistics associated with it. Is they don't know how to frame the narrative in a way that will be acceptable to people that still want to think that this is first about going to school, second about playing a sport. Then it comes when you say, okay, what what are we going to do then if we start playing these games? And I don't think anybody, it's another thing about this thing that's kind of, kind of making it complicated, Dennis. Has anybody said and committed to, or we, we can commit superficially to or preliminarily to not playing games until October. Right. Has anybody said anything about what the stadiums are going to look like? When it comes to fans, how, how, how are they going to decide who's, if fans are going to be allowed at all? And then if they do decide that fans are going to be allowed at all, what, what number and how are they going to determine who's going to be the ones that are going to be um, privileged with the opportunity to watch the game? How are they going to roll that out too? Is that, has, have you seen anything firm on that front? No, but I've heard some people uh, discuss it. That, and you would go to the, the students first. You would go, you know, they've got all those suites at Michigan where maybe you could – and other schools that had luxury boxes like that, you could spread some people out inside of uh, the luxury boxes. And then, I don't know, if you're having any fans at all, you know, you, you start going down that list. I know there's a, the list of the donors there at Michigan. They're ranked, you know. So I, I, maybe they just start going down that list and saying, hey, you, you know, you're in. Uh, are you out? You know, that kind of thing. And they, they only hold a couple thousand anyways, even if they have the thing for the – for the uh, the students, I don't know. I mean, I, if they can go out there and play, you know, it, it's almost like I feel like they could find a way with the with the fans and the you know the the privileged fans, as you called them. Uh, you know, I think they could figure that. That's almost secondary. All the other stuff that you're talking about is the stuff that's got to be uh, you know driving them where you're they you know they they're very uh, skeptical at this point. But you know, I just heard Reese Davis, you know, college football guy, two days ago. He was talking about. Uh, a month ago, if you asked him, he was 95% sure that they were going to play. He's, he had bruised optimism two days ago, and he said, he, but he still thought it was, uh, I think he put it at 70%. Now, you know, maybe he's under 50. That Now, now the Ivy League and now the Big Tens and now the Pac-12, and you know, maybe that, uh, that, that bruised optimism is down to like 50-50 right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's, if he's motivated by other stuff or he's dealing with reality. I, I tell you what has resonated with me more more recently than anything else is you saw Gene Smith says Gene Smith say, and that's the Ohio State guy. And you know they're talking every day. He's having conversations with, with, with athletic directors and and presidents from schools every day. And his most recent comment was, I'm not optimistic. And you better believe that's based on conversations that he's had with other folks and then and then the uh the new commissioner for the big 10 conference said the very same thing i'm not optimistic about football and these guys they they could if they wanted to hedge things a little bit more they could do it they could say well we we still got some things to figure out we're we're trying to work in that direction no instead they're saying they're not optimistic which tells me that they're even less optimistic privately than they are publicly. 
Uh, I'm not. I. I. In fact, let me. Let, between you and me, and then whoever else gets to hear this, I know they are less optimistic privately than they are publicly. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I watched Kevin Warren. I, I read that's the new Big Ten commissioner. I, I watched him. I, I read his comments there. He was, you know, he, he told everybody that you know they they may not have college football, and you know. I, I think right now, you know, it could change in a it can change in a week. You know, it's it's amazing how people can in these last two weeks. If you watch the news, it's just like, yeah, I mean, you don't even like they're shutting everything back down, uh, all of that. But if you yep. can start stacking a couple of days and maybe a couple of weeks where you feel like, hey, well, then it could change. But you know, it's you can't predict that. And if you're going to predict anything, when you when you look at um, people ignoring. Or, you know, half of the country thinking that they don't need to do anything different, that this is just going to burn off or something and everything's going to be okay. It, it, um, you know, I think that's the part that has me skeptical the most is that we're, we haven't really gone and it doesn't seem like that as a, as a country we're taking it seriously. Maybe in some areas they are, but, you know, when you think of college football, there's just, you know, it's not an isolated uh, area, man. You, it could be Florida, Texas, Arizona this week. And that thing could move to, you know, next thing you know, we're talking about California and back up here in, in the Midwest or something. So, you know, all of that, you know, from the beginning, I was just throwing my hands up, you know, trying to say whether I felt good or bad or, you know, if they're going to play or not, I knew they were going to try to do everything and then extend it and, and go to every last, uh, you know, thing that they could do to somehow squeeze a season out. You know, one thing, Mark, I think the the college football has going for it is that they've only had a, a playoff for the past few years. College football has always done some things like, you know, where you would say it was kind of a sham uh, of a season. Teams, this team playing that team, you know, bowl games at the end, voting, so – if they were able to just throw together some, you know, eight, nine, ten game season, I don't think they would have any problem picking four teams and and, and run them through a playoff. Yeah, yeah, I, I suppose you know they wouldn't. They if they if they committed to to a eight game season, they they've already indicated they were going to compromise a few things principally anyway. But let me tell you what I don't know if you know. I I got my pharmacy degree from the University of Michigan. What 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 tells me more than anything else, the, the, the quandary that these athletic directors and, and, and uh, principal and presidents of institutions of higher learning are in is the fact that there is still no gold standard treatment for this virus. Forget, forget about all this, all this talk about how we're going to isolate people, how we're going to test people, how are we going to put people in a bubble? How are we going to socially distance? How are we going to contact trace and all that? All in theory, all logistically talk more than reality. The reality of this whole thing is if somebody gets sick and you go to a, and you have to go to a hospital, they don't know how they're going to treat you. There is, there is no gold treatment right now. There is a bunch of patchwork pulled together. Let's figure out on a case-by-case basis what we're going to do here. But they still don't know initially, empirically, what they're going to do. They still don't know 
what the long-term consequences would be for anybody that comes down with this virus, all calculations and considerations that have to influence any of these athletic directors who are trying to make a decision as to whether or not they're going to play a sport. Oh, and, and, and the the big question marks are are what is is uh, is what is the big question marks are largely what influencing these decision makers when it comes to right, what we're going to do. We really don't know. We we know what we want to do, but we really don't see any path towards doing this without compromising and risking a whole lot of stuff. And are we have we gotten to the point where we are that tolerant of the risk to be able to sell what we're about to do? And how do we explain that to the general public? Yeah, I think that's going to be their, their, their biggest issue there. If the NFL, like the NFL, I know the one thing they're looking at is a, is a reduced number of games too, because once they play their contracts, they're fully guaranteed. They don't want to start up and go two weeks and then have this hit and then the season's over. And they would t- yeah, that would be that would be way too much. I know the the last, um, I guess the last straw or the the last part would be to you know pull back and and try to go to spring. And I know the argument. There's a couple of different arguments. I mean, they don't want to do that. None of these things particularly sound you know great or they're even good. But you know, just trying to get it in, trying to have a season, trying to see what kind of money they can salvage. There it is again, money. But yeah. a lot of the play, one of the players want to play too, and I know a lot of the guys that would be looking at the NFL. They're not going to change their calendar out and everything else. So you know, you would lose a good portion of the. Uh, I don't know about a good portion. You'd lose uh, you know some of the top players for sure, and you know what that would do for credibility of a season. But I do think that they could massage that, you know, if they went March, April, May, or, or pushed a little bit back. Yeah. I know they need time off for the following season, but you know, maybe for the following season, you got to talk about, you know, if you do push it back to spring, would they want to then push the next season, you know, back to October? I don't know. Like those are the things that I know they sit around and talk about every day, but you know, there, there, there's no really good plans unless this thing, really takes a turn or, or they, you start feeling like, you know, you, you got a handle on it. We don't have a handle on it. I mean, that's the thing right now. We could talk about it all day. We don't have a handle on it. Nope. They don't either. And then they don't have a handle on the virus. They don't have, they don't have a handle on, on what is, what, what will be the, the practical and logistical adjustments that you have to make when it comes to dealing with this virus. Cause they still don't have a handle on the virus. Uh, I can tell you for sure that, most of the discussion has gone to plan B. There, there, there is very little effort right now towards trying to figure out a way to salvage a fall season. It has instead turned to, all right, how would we do this thing in the winter or spring, whatever? And uh, no, nobody wants to start as early in, as January and playing games and especially playing games in the Big Ten. So then we're the, the SEC is all day long. And maybe yeah. even the ACC and the Pac Ten say, Yeah, we can start in January. Well the Big Ten is saying, No, we, we we can't play football in January. Well we excuse me, we could but we don't want to. What 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 what's uh what's next? Uh, maybe we start talking about March to start playing games. I wonder, I wonder if they go in. I know the NBA goes to that. Um, 
and they're the only ones that I think have that type of insurance where you can, whatever that French term is, what force majeure. Force majeure. Yeah. So that's like uh, you know unforeseen circumstances, which seems like a pandemic would fall under. I, I wonder if if college football, when you think about the money, you know, if they have that type of insurance where they could go to that, and you know when that would when that would come into play. If they didn't, they will going forward. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find yeah. out, huh? <laughs> and that, now that's the lawyer. I mean, yeah, they will going forward. And oh, oh be- yeah, they'll have they'll have that uh, insurance going forward. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, uh, and or exclusion. You got to pay for it though. It's going to be expensive. You believe that? Oh yeah. Uh, well, you would think that if you knew, like the NBA, they've talked about it. Like it seems like they do have it, but I haven't heard baseball saying, well, they'll just go to enforcement because they would have done that, I think. And, you know, the NHL didn't have that. The NHL wants to play. It doesn't matter. Like, they're different. It's it's weird. Different parts of the country, different sports. You know, they're different approaches like the SEC and just like, uh, you know, the Ivy League to the Big Ten. It's it's all different in different parts uh, of the country. But, yeah, you know, they'll have that moving forward. I I just wonder if the what – you know, what they do have, you know, you got so much money. People keep talking about the Mac and with good reason, you know, these Mac schools, you know, they count on those paydays. Are they going to be able to borrow against their, whatever endowments they have? And even if they don't have the money that those endowments are like earmarked for, can they, you know, borrow against it, you know, to keep their, their football teams afloat. It's going to be a lot of that going on. A lot of that kind of talk. Fun. Yes, sir. Always <laughs> fun with you, man. Yeah, that's well. So, yeah. Other than that, other than just trying to trying to survive, uh, there it is. Well, I'm hoping to have some good news coming up pretty soon. So, oh, wait, you got a baby? <laughs> no, but you know what? It, it kind of. <laughs> I'll just put a little tease out there. It kind of, it kind of centers. It does kind of. It centers around a baby. So. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. We'll see. You know, we'll, All right, we'll man. You, look back and we'll put a little tease you, out there for you. You got you, you got to let me know before most folks. Okay, you, not everybody, but we we supposed to, we go way back. I'm supposed to know before the, the regular folks know. Okay, I'll send you a text in a few minutes. All right, man. All right, Mark. Hey, thanks uh, for coming on and uh, and being a, a multiple time All Star. Have a have a great weekend here. Where are we at? Uh, July 11th, 7-11, as somebody told me earlier today. So I rolled I rolled the dice and came up with a 7-11. So thanks, thanks for joining me and, and all the best to you. And, and hopefully I, I talk with you, maybe, you know, you know, see you within a year or two. All right, man. Take care, Mark. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There he is. Mark from Lansing. Appreciate uh, his thoughts. He was ready. You're multiple time all star. You know, you're ready to go. I was going to go and play a little bit of Tiger audio. I was watching them play their inner squad game today, and I had it up here. I guess you can't go back and, and watch it. You had to watch it live. Yeah, because they're saying thanks. Thanks for watching and everything. Yeah, it's different. You know, it is. You know, I, I was reading a story yesterday, USA Today. Uh, Mike Trout concerns. Uh, he was wearing a mask. Uh, the, the catcher was wearing a, a mask. And while, you know, wait, 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 he's wearing his catcher's mask, but then wearing a, a mask underneath his catcher's mask. And he was saying, yeah, he hoped that the umpires would also wear a mask underneath their, you know, their other mask. And so, you know, there's that was a little, a little strange reading that.
particular uh, column. But yeah, watching the the Tigers, Dan Dickerson and Dan Petrie were calling one of the inner squad games. You just had had like two people sitting in the stands that I could see behind the behind the plate. We work with the Tigers organization. You're not getting in there any other way. But, yeah, the only other different, like, nobody out in the crowd. You've got some signage on the field, the little Caesars right in the window behind behind the catcher. They didn't have an umpire working a game today. But then out just above the bullpen, they had a uh, an awning where if they need to spread the players out in a game, they could go sit out there. Maybe there would be even more of that. But, you know, that kind of that stood out to me as I watched the game. A little bit today. All right. Thank you very much to Mark and Lansing. And then also to Rico Beard for joining me. All that Spartan talk. All that Spartan talk. And um, yeah, they had a good couple weeks. Exciting time for, for Michigan State. All right. Thanks so much for listening. If you're a subscriber, Give you a big time thumbs up there. People, you know, they look, how many subscribers, who's listening, who's commenting, who's rating. That's why everybody tells you to do all those things. Because that's what counts when it comes down to podcasting. But hey, I said, if I can get 10, 20, 30 people listening. Yeah, I'd like to have a couple thousand. Scratch that. All right. Take care. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Bye.